Hi, this is Chad Pfeiffer. And I'm Chris Lackey from the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast. And you are listening to Seven Land Hand. Get it. HPPodcraft.com. That's Seven Land Hand. <laughs> Brought to you Australia-wide by Good Games. Splendid is as Splendid does, so don't play foolish games with Jewel. Toss aside your gym bags and like a real gangster rapper, grab your gem bag. But make sure it's yours, as personal space is important. Get out the family jewels! It's Splendor. Hey, set in the Renaissance, that's exactly what the Statue of David's about. Pro tip, there is no you in Splendor until one chooses to play. So in performing with Jem, be truly, truly, truly outrageous. Outrageously, this is Seven Land Hand. Splendor is a Space Cowboys game published in 2014. It was designed by mathematical madman Mark Andre. Uh, Splendor is a competitive set collection game for two to four players with 30 minutes stored in their jewellery boxes. Amongst other awards, it won the 2014 Golden Geek Board Game of the Year Award and the 2015 Netherlands Spellen Priest uh, Best Family Game. The game's elevator pitch reads as follows. In Splendor, you take on the role of a rich merchant during the Renaissance. You will use your resources to acquire mines, transportation methods, and artisans who will allow you to turn your raw gems into beautiful jewels. One disclaimer before we proceed, Mark andre is not a madman. However, Sevenland Hand Research tells us that he was once married to Jordan, has amazing abs, and does a jaw-dropping cover of Brenton Wood's Gimme Little Sign. But what does it all mean to gamers? Digging holes deep enough to find shiny rocks in, we have Matt Onyx looks like chocolate McHale. Yummy, yummy, yummy. I've got Onyx in my tummy. Sounding very robotic there through the uh, the green iPad. Welcome. Uh, she, ain't no, she ain't no donkey, but she does have 24 carrots. It's Xanthi Newman Lau. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, we hope to hear more from you this time, uh, Xanthi. I hope I remember to talk. Yeah, talking <laughs> talking is important. Yeah, you do great body language and sign. Yeah, all of that, but uh, it doesn't come over uh, on the on the podcast. And, and both sapphire and steel. Who's this? It's the Ab Fab Jamie Lawrence. I can't believe anyone would make a sapphire and steel reference in the year 2016. You're amazing, David. Hey, it turns out that that was the year of your birth. So, you know, <laughs> 1979. Great year. Hey, that, did that go out on air? You were born in 1979? It didn't, but now everyone knows. It's yeah. all good. <laughs> Sorry, man. You, you always told me you were 17 years old, and I believed you, but, you know, now <laughs> it's gone. They'll teach you to check the ID card. Yeah. Hey, anyway, welcome, everybody. Uh, what priceless gems have bejeweled your week in, weeks in geek uh, of late? Well, I've been up to a couple of things, a couple of very important things, in fact. Yeah. As you well know, the... Um, the Seven Land Hand RPG initiative oh, yeah. just wrap, wrapped up the other night. So what was that again? And I studied my way through the proper title for that in the uh, in the Magic podcast last time through. Uh, so what, of the game? Yeah, the title of the RPG. So it's uh, End of the World, yeah. Wrath of the Gods. Wrath of the Gods. Is the scenario, yeah. We just wrapped up with the third uh, episode. Google and, Hangout uh, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, Google Hangout. I had last night, uh, well, the other night, I had... Uh, six players now i discovered two important things from that one six players on screen at the one time is too many people right and i was going to say it's one short of seven and we keep coming back to that number <laughs> well i would be the seventh because yeah. the gm oh. so six plus me so six is too much for a google hangout or just too much for an rpg thing to watch or what was the, what was the I problem i think uh, 
bit of both, bit of both, because every time you start talking, uh, the camera flicks to that person. So oh, okay. if people keep talking over top of each other, then it just the camera just flicks all over the place, oh, right. and uh, you know makes it a little bit confused. Yeah. So and, and I, as the camera operator, I ultimately failed because I kept spending too much time on one person or forgetting to shift the camera or, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, I, it was great, great experience. And I'm going to... I would just like to say that's you describing away your, um, you know, your attraction to Andy Hayes. And I know that you just like getting the camera <laughs> on him and leaving it there. Actually, it's funny because um, uh, Axton said to me during, during the podcast, uh, yeah. during the um, Hangout, that uh, I think you've had the camera on me a little bit too long here. Just... <laughs> So I had to shift it, focus to somebody else. So um, in, in RPGing, for once, we have a, a, a self-conscious kind of thing. Yeah. You can you can roll for self-consciousness. <laughs> yeah. yeah, on a on a D four, and it's uh, never good. But um, no, it was a lot of fun, and I intend to do more of those uh, throughout the year. Um, I'll space them out a fair bit, and I'll play a different sort of game, uh, be a one shot, or it might be a small campaign with the same group. So I sort of pushed it. A, a, yeah. bit this time with six players because I wanted to find out, you know, A, how well the Hangouts work as an as a tool for playing an RPG and uh, to find out a little bit about the other players who I've all played with all of those guys before in RPGs yeah. um, just to see who's sort of comfortable doing it. So in the future I, I might uh, ask some, you know, two or three of them or maybe even go sure. to some other people. But you reckon like a three or four week kind of campaign kind of sounds good, doesn't it? You yeah, know, at see... the max. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very useful. I think we, we kind of pushed the envelope in terms of time. That's what you're all about, so... Matt, pushing the envelope. I know you. <laughs> they were getting up to about three hours long and, and uh, ah. the other night, I know, we finished at midnight and uh, I was wrecked the next day. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I'm a GM way back. And um, do you find that any of the players are a bit worried about being on camera? Were any of them? Yeah, like, do they do they show any hesitancy, or are they still just, you know, out there and crazy? Uh, oh, it's a combination, you know. Maybe they'd sit a little bit right, right up close to the camera so that you didn't sort of see their whole face. Others would sit way back so that, you know, they're just this little dot on the screen. And, and then others, everybody seems sort of comfortable with it. That's um, good. Yeah. Now, I don't know uh, if we touched good. on this last time uh, we talked about it, but, you know, like this is, uh, well, I think this is episode 61 of, um, of this podcast. You know, it still yeah. feels like, you know, like when we, did, when we did the pilot, you know, we thought, oh, this is a piece of cake. We've got this down. And then when you go back and listen to it, I'm not saying that we're great now, listeners. I'm not <laughs> saying that. I'm saying I'd like to think we're a little bit more polished. <laughs> yes. You know, that's that, 61 absolutely. efforts later. Yeah, and you know, if I do more RPGs in the future, I'll get a little bit better at the technology. I found, uh, you know, we had a lot of teething problems, um, the dice app not working, or uh, um, lower thirds not working with names and things like that. So, but you don't let those things get in the way of your role play. So, yeah, yeah, it was good. It was great. What, I enjoyed it. What have you been up to, Jamie? Before Matt Hodgson oh, in I highlight, just got back, I just got back from CanCon. Yeah, uh, which is. Canberra's premier uh, board gaming convention and probably one of Australia's biggest. And hopefully we'll um, get into that uh, a bit later on. Hey, after the game review, we'll um, we'll catch up with what you did out there. There is a bit of a bit of chat about that that I've sent you yet. Yeah. And um, apart from that, oh, it's a pretty geeky life. But I, I run a game store, so you know, <laughs> I've been hanging out. I've been playing things. Uh, I've lately I've been at home. I've been knocking out a bit of uh, Civilization Beyond Earth, and that. 
I'm a Civilization fan from way, 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 way back, and this one tickles my fancy like none of them before. Do you want to explain us a little bit of what that's about? Sure. So Civilization is uh, it's a PC game. It's been around since the early 90s in various iterations yeah. uh, where you take control of a civilization and from your very first little settlement up until the future and uh, and building spaceships and all sorts of things, you you teach that civilization and lead it and guide it and take it places. And this new one, Beyond Earth, is about your colonists from Earth landing on a new planet. And you have to develop technologies to deal with the things that you find there. You have to uh, slowly grow your civilization to have diplomacy with others who are always stabbing you in the back because they're computers. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just one of the most satisfying games to actually get through. Um, usually get about probably between 10 and 15 hours of gameplay into a game. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, you build a civilization. What's the learning curve on something like that one? The, the guide on it's really great. And I, I've yeah. heard your, your woes about guides Four. on video games. <laughs> yeah, Fallout 4 has just killed me. I've, I've just finished that. I finished the... I just aimed for the core, get the story, you know, the main story. <laughs> Didn't even worry about the side things in the end. I was just like, let's get me through this and I'm done. That is so not how you meant to play it. it was, no, it was just the worst. I just didn't enjoy it. And even in, game. Get me through it, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, and even in the main story, it had me doing things that I didn't want to do, you know. I don't know if I was just trying to be diplomatic across uh, four different factions, but it was like... You know, I was like, oh, I'm friends with these guys and I'm friends with these guys over here. And then it'll be like, all right, go and kill one of them. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. And then, you know, I'd go back to them and they'd want me to kill another one. And it's like, well, this game isn't allowing me to do what I want. I'm being really cul-de-sac into having to do the predestined stuff. And nah, no, it didn't go. So I've gone back to uh, Witcher 3, which Aaron's been crapping on about for a while. But, and I, yep. but how did your bromance go? The bromance, I shut down the bromance pretty quick, although he continued to uh, call me honey for the rest of the game. And I, and I went straight for Piper, who was the uh, kind of smart-mouthed uh, journalist from With a Cockney Diamond accent, City. Right? I don't think she had a Cockney accent. I, think was, I thought she was more like a, you know, like a woman from the Bronx or something uh. like that. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know. She had a flat cap on, but then again, she was a journalist. So isn't that what they do? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Well, I think... Don't, don't, don't sit down the back of the game. class and be quiet. What, what's, what have you been up to? Well, I must disappoint. I haven't been doing too many geeky things. All right, back to you, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> what's been happening in her school? Yeah, go on. What? Uh, basically, I've been playing a Pathfinder with my mates. Yeah, yeah. Pretty interesting DMs lately. We've had snakes with trebuchets, snakes with crossbows, snakes with guns, and pretty much any enemy in a snake. We also had a frog on a pogo stick. The snakes with no opposable thumbs. That, you know, there was they a, there kind was, of slip and shoot the weapon, as I imagine. There was an owl movie, some Guardians of the Something or Other, that just gave me the shits a few years ago. Where it was like all these owls wearing finely crafted armor, and it's like, uh, how yeah. did you do that with feathers? That <laughs> did, didn't happen. I'm out, you know? And it's like these opening scenes. But, I was, you know, it was a kid's movie. I was looking too deep into it. I, I, apologies, kids. You know, one of the old magic sets is full of snake people, right? Yeah. <laughs> It, like, you, oh, there's no story with that. You just uh, so <laughs> there is. Kamigawa, one of the one of the races, like all the green cards. They're all they're all snake people, <laughs> right. and they look ridiculous yeah. because they just they, they've still got tails and everything. They've just got arms as well. Yeah, it's like the Gary Gygax, uh, you know, early creatures, you know, with the 
bat bees and all that kind of ridiculous stuff. And I don't Is that you ripped off Cthulhu for the monster manual? <laughs> I think they've just been replaced with gorgons these days. Get yeah. all their snakes in one head hey, well, headdress. <laughs> well, hey, I, you know, initially I, I asked my wife, I said, uh, what, what geeky stuff have I been doing? You know, you, you live with me, you, you see me doing stuff. And she said, and so she was keen to help out, you know, the podcast prep. She goes, well, uh, you, you played a lot of Splendor. And I was like, okay, yeah, well, the, the podcast's about Splendor, so don't worry about that. <laughs> and I said, what, what, what else did I do? She, well, you, you wrote a podcast? <laughs> It's like, okay, this is going nowhere. So what I had left was, and I don't want to go too highbrow, but I finished the Scarlet Gospels by uh, Clive Barker, which uh, he was the guy behind Hellraiser, if you remember that movie, yeah. and the Hellbound Heart. And I've got to say, I, I, I wrote a bit of a blurb on Facebook about it. Uh, I was absolutely captivated by the first third of that book. It was just so horrifying and spooky, and you were just, well, not spooky. It was just, just dread and gloom and, oh, my God, this is so heavy. And a lot of it hung, on, I thought, on the fact that Pinhead's going to come through and drag the characters away to this far-off, distant, unknown hell environment. And who knows what could go on in there. And then what went wrong with the second two-thirds was he took us there and described it just like it was a city. <laughs> oh, and, dear. And the, people, and the creatures were there with demons, but then they just kind of acted like just guys. And so it kind of could... I, in the end, I just thought, well, this could have been just like they went from country US to New York and there was a whole bunch of gangsters there and it was a bit <laughs> rough for a while. And it lost that absolute powerful dread, which I'm fascinated by how he created. But, um, yeah. But, Took show to tell a little too far, huh? Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, yeah, perhaps. But, um, yeah, I, I, as a response, I generally enjoyed it and um, immediately went to the book depository and and spent a couple of hundred dollars on every Clive Parker book I could find. Oh, so, yeah, well, good fun. Set you up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and f- my uh, final tip for the week was uh, I started watching Marin on, um, on Netflix. Anyone Netflixing at the moment? Oh, who isn't? Who isn't? I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it. I'm up to season three of Lost. Oh, come on, Matt. You- <laughs> Total waste of time, man. You're going no, to be no, frustrated. No, it's hooking me. It's hooking me in. I'm really enjoying it, actually. Yeah. Despite what everyone else says. I don't care if it turns out that they're all just amoeba in a Petri dish. It won't even um. be as clear as that. It won't even be as clear as that. You've got to remember the riders don't know where it's going. But I agree. First couple of seasons, like, we missed the first couple of seasons and then just bulk download marathon watched them. And it was great. You're thinking, where's this heading? And that, you know, you're so excited about, where's this heading? And then yeah. after a couple of seasons more, you start going, it's heading nowhere. That's where it's <laughs> heading. And, <laughs> and then... So it's... Yeah, go um, on. I was going to say, it's the uh, show about nothing for uh, sci-fi. And, yeah, it's uh, like... The, yeah, it's the sci-fi Seinfeld. That's yeah, what it is. We've that's it. finally got it screwed down or something. <laughs> yeah. I've been hitting Netflix. I just finished watching Misfits. Uh, it's a British, British show about uh, kids in rehab getting superpowers. Brilliant. It's oh, brilliant. Wow. Yeah. It's very clever. Yeah. Okay. It, it well, went did... to some very, very strange and dark places at times, but managed to make you laugh your way through them. Did you just say it was a British made show? Yeah. All right. Misfits. All the best things are. Yeah, I know. It kind of... Have you ever seen Black Mirror? Oh, that's... Yes. Oh, yes. That's on my watch list. Oh, man. That's so good. <laughs> Drop Lost Now. Have you seen, you've seen it, Xanthi? I've been watching it. I'm yeah. nearly finished. So good. It's like British Twilight Zone. Uh, done now you know like modern day that and it's just so so clever so good mm. it does things which uh 
you know, when, when you think back about what the plot is, you just go, nah, come on. But just delivered, you're in there. You're, you know, you're hook, line, and sinker. You're, you're attached to the story. It's great. I just watched the first episode yesterday, and um, which uh, the season one. The which politician is the, one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And I kept watching. <laughs> yeah, well, it's what you meant to do, man. Exactly. <laughs> you don't look away. You meant to, with Black Mirror, keep watching. With Lost, stop watching. <laughs> Two tips. I'll somehow, I'll somehow reach a balance. Yeah. I'm in this really strange space at the moment where there's there's lots of things I want to go back and watch again, but at the same time, I've got so much stuff waiting I to know. be watched. Uh, the yeah. Netflix overload. It's like it, it's Babylon 5's anniversary this week, and I, I love Babylon 5. I'd love to go back and watch it again, but, you know, who's got time to watch five seasons of TV when there's like 25 seasons waiting for me on the Netflix queue? <laughs> yeah, it's the going back that's dangerous. Um, you know, like I was... I saw that there was, there's been talk about a new Blade Runner movie, and, you know, I'm always hesitant about them going back and ruining something gold, but um, I'm, I was afraid of going back and watching Blade Runner again until a friend of mine who was, you know, probably born in the 90s, I'd guess, and he said he saw it just a few years ago, and it was brilliant, which, to a lot of those movies in, in that, you know, 80s uh, era, it's, they don't hold up, they just date really badly, so hopefully Blade Runner is still watchable. I used to teach Blade Runner, and, yeah, it, it holds up pretty well. Yeah. There's a, a couple of moments, but, you know, generally speaking, it's just so deep that you're, you're not worried about the special effects being a bit dinky. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good to hear. I might have to give that another rewatch, especially if they've uh, got another one coming. And it seemed like, yeah. from what I've heard, that they've got all the right people involved, so it's got a good start to it. Yeah. I want to rewatch Daredevil as well before Season 2 comes out in March. Yeah. Let's see. I, was, I, was, I really enjoyed Daredevil, but then when I think back to it, the... Um, the secretary girl only had two faces, which was utter distress cry face or utter happiness smiley face. And yeah, there was little impressed. acting in between, which really grated uh, when I started remembering it. You know what? Both of the Marvel shows so far on Netflix I've had the same trouble with, which is that there's one absolutely stellar actor and yeah. everyone else has to try and live up to that. Yeah. And, and it doesn't quite get there. You know, because the guy playing Daredevil... Yeah, he's he great. does such an amazing range. Yeah, and, and you, know, you don't see his eyes half the time. He's really great. Who did you have David a problem Hammond with? And Jessica Jones. Who did you have a problem with? Who was who was who did you have a problem with with Jessica Jones? I just didn't think that anyone was sort of acting up well enough to, to David Tennant. You oh, know? Yeah, David. <laughs> Every time he was there, he stole the show. Yeah, he did, didn't he? He yeah. ran a clinic. He ran an absolute acting clinic in that show. He was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I was an instant fan. I hadn't seen him in Doctor Who or anything before that, and I was just like, oh, this is that guy. This guy is good. If you ever get the chance, see his Hamlet. It's just mind-blowing. I can't do Shakespeare, man. I can't. No, seem like such a Shakespeare guy. You got the accent and everything. No, I'm the guy that I did a writing for the stage course and thought it was appropriate to announce at some point in time during class discussion that I didn't really think Shakespeare was up to much. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it, was like I'd, it was like I'd slayed their children in front of them. They just weren't, it didn't go down well. Nobody even gave me a, you know, a, a nod like, oh, okay, that's a point you're making. Uh, everybody just flatly disagreed. But I, How, I, I found it unwatchable. <laughs> How dare you insult the bard? I just can't keep up with it, though. You know, you go there with all the best intentions and going, yeah, I'm going to get into it this time. I'm going to find out what happens. Go, go. And then they start talking. You go, I don't know what's going on, you know? And Well, maybe David Tennant could help you there because his acting gets you past the language. All right, let's do that then. Xanthi, you got a Netflix tip? Um, all right. Uh... <laughs> yeah. 
Well, if you watch tons of shows at once, you can get through all the series, just for a tip for Jamie. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but you uh, use all watching... your time to watch one. Hey, go on, go on. <laughs> no. Uh, I've been watching Lost Girl, actually. Lost um, Girl. Yeah, it's about a succubus. Oh. Yes. Uh, so it's uh, based in, you know, common, common uh, modern day world. But uh, aside to the normal human life, there's also the fey life or the fairy life. So basically in this underworld or uh, under society, there's a whole bunch of all those mythical animals. And each episode is about that different thing. And this succubus, how she goes through it all. Okay. That is not what I thought that that show was about. <laughs> I totally I'm... thought that that show was about uh, some like missing teenager type thing, you know, runaway girl, something like that. I had, I didn't look at it or anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> was my thought title. at first until I actually watched it. I'm like, oh, this is... But some of them seem no, have zero impact as you're scrolling through a Netflix page, like Orphan Black. It was just like, oh, this might seem to have something about it. And then, you know, we started watching it and it was just like, we're just going to be watching this until we run out of episodes. This is great, you know. And that uh, the main actress, um, was it Tatiana Maslany? She was just out, outstanding, you know. It's like, like what Jamie was saying, you know, they just dug out a fantastic actor out of nowhere and popped him into That's a show. That's sort of how I got into Vikings. Was just you know it popped up on Netflix and I'm like oh yeah we'll give it a go and I just binge watched the entire thing. Oh Vikings yeah, yeah. Hmm. great yeah, show. I thought, I thought the same. All right, hey anyway guys, how about we uh, we uh, blob here and uh, we'll get we'll get back and get into a bit of splendor, which is what we're here for. Talking Let's about games, it. what? All right. Yeah yeah, it's a great game, Jamie. You'll you'll enjoy this. <laughs> Every month, Good Games are offering our listeners a special offer and a chance to win the game we review. This month, it's Splendor. Can you see a pattern forming here? For the next four weeks, while stocks last, the glistening garnet gamers at Good Games are giving Seven Land Hand listeners 10% off Splendor. All you have to do is stroll into your local Good Games store, remove your tiara, and state the password... Foolish, foolish Games. Foolish Games. Foolish Games. games. That's uh, for the next four weeks... Foolish, foolish Games. games. <laughs> wow, look at this. This is, this, is, this is better than rehearsals, guys. This is good. All right. Uh, so, yeah, Foolish Games is the password, and that's while stocks last. So get in there. And uh, you can win the game, uh, for, and that's, that costs you nothing. And, and, you do, and you do stuff all effort as well. Matt it's and I, free? It's, it's free to enter, requires no effort except just put a comment on oh. our Facebook page for this show, which is episode 61. We'll even pin episode it... Episode 61. Episode 61. We'll pin it to the top of the Facebook page. Our Facebook page is at facebook.com forward slash sevenlandhand. Pin um, it to the top. Yeah. We'll announce last month's winner uh, later in Neats and Twos. I think last month's winner had a something like a one in less than 20 chance of winning the game. Those, so, those are good odds. Yeah. And, and you want to get in now before everyone starts realizing this is happening every single month. Loads of people are liking it. There's about, you know, we had hundreds of people look at that, that post, but only a, less than 20 people commented. So get in quick before people realize that we're throwing games away for free. Uh, Last month's winner won uh, one Mysterium, right? Pardon? Last month's winner won Mysterium, yeah? Yeah, yeah. There's a, yeah someone's won Mysterium, and, and we'll talk about that in uh, Neats and Twos uh, after the, uh, the rest of this podcast. Yeah, don't fuck you know the system, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> it's don't, a foolish game. Don't try, don't try and make us announce it early. You know, this is a tempter. Gets people in. Anyway, this is a short and punchy advert, so we'll blob now. Hey, welcome back. So, this month's game, guys, and girl, Xanthi. Yes, I am a girl. Uh, <laughs> Splendor. Um, 
We've got uh, we've got it all pegged out before us, like before us on the table. We've been playing it like crazy over the last month. Our um, cards are now bent. The what? The cards are now bent. Uh, well, yeah, they got a, yeah, they've been roughened up. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. Um, and that, that's because this is the the Good Games Cannington store copy, so they're a little bit more than bent. They have like body juices on them and stuff. But anyway, food. yeah, food. Yeah, <laughs> looks like they love that kebab place that's just around the corner. Um, anyway. The no body narrow- juices on your board games. Yeah. <laughs> the, you can tell the diet of the players uh, just by what, what kind of diet would you know the person that would play Splendor have? Well, they like kebabs. Yeah, uh, Matt, what's the what's the narrative of this game? What's what's going on? What kind of world are we stepping into? All right, so everybody's uh, all the players are merchants of the Renaissance, trying to buy themselves into gem mines. Uh, means of transportation, shops, uh, in order to acquire the most amount of prestige by selling their gem, their finished uh, jewellery to wealthy, uh, wealthy upper-class noble citizens. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And so the person who wins the game ultimately, uh, it, it's in terms of victory points, is, is the wealthiest merchant there around. And See, that, that's it's a very simple narrative. Yeah, you're taking you're taking rocks from the ground all the way to the the crown on the queen's head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The objective is very simple as well. the The goal, ultimate goal, is to collect uh, the most um, victory points to a total of fifteen, and you do this via chip collection and card uh, card development. So those are the primary mechanics, and it couldn't be simpler, to be honest. Yeah, and I think that's reflected in the um, in the instructions, which is literally a, a, an A3 a folded A3 bit of paper, yeah. uh, and part of that is taken up with the, the cover page, which is just a picture of a man looking very, very, very intently at a ring that he's <laughs> making, and a, and a woman looking suspiciously. I always like to describe the game. I always like to describe the game as rival gem merchants going head to head. It sounds much more exciting. <laughs> yeah, you can just imagine that, can't you? They're just in the stores next to each other, making jewellery really, really intently. <laughs> Woof. But no, don't get lost, listener. It's more exciting than that. It's it's very, very strategic. And Jamie will tell us a bit about tournament playing in, in a bit. But first, Jamie, what you know? What sort of thing? What we're we looking at when it's uh, spread out on the table before us? Looks pretty sexy. So you start with uh, you start with a bunch of chips, poker chips in different colours. Yeah, I think we have, I think we've got some sound on them, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, Xanthi, do it. This is. Oh, hang on, I gotta get them moving. There you go. This is that chip goodness. They're, they're full on. They're full on like casino chips, right? They are, but they not only sound good, they actually look pretty cool too. And they and they um, weigh. So got, uh, and they're heavy. You've got diamonds and sapphires and emeralds, and they're the different colours of chip. Yep. You've also got some um, thick cardstock patrons uh, who are going to sponsor you if you start to use gemstones that they like. So those are the nobles that we're aiming to keep happy with our uh, finished jewellery. That's right. And um, so they, they all like different no, different ones. So some nobles like you to have uh, lots of emeralds and sapphires. Others like you to have lots of rubies and charcoal. I'm yeah. guessing it's not charcoal. It's probably onyx. It's pr- yeah, <laughs> onyx. I go for onyx. Charcoal, yeah. King Henry VIII loved to sketch... Oh, you did a lot of you did a lot of that. Wait, is that a verifiable fact? That's a that's a seven land hand fact. So oh, okay, yeah, so where verifiable true. fits in. But I, I have seen paintings of him where he'd have taken his crown off and started scrubbing it against a piece of paper in order to uh, depict how Anne Boleyn would be beheaded. 
That's what I've come to understand from my high school history lessons. But back to you, Jamie. Yeah, let's move away from high school history lessons. Yes, please. Um, apart from that, we've got a, uh, a deck of standard-sized cards. It's about uh, 80 deep. And each one depicts a different gem mine that you uh, that you can take control of. Yeah, now those, those are the first-level cards, and there's a lot more of those, isn't there? Where the, I think the mathematical madman uh, thing comes in. The, the level 1 cards, there's, there's 40 of them. That's right. So it's divided into three levels, level yeah. 1, level 2, and level 3, really originally named. Yeah. Um, but uh, they, they reflect the difficulty to actually buy the mine, uh, the number of different gems you'll need to collect in different colours to take control of it. And you lay them out on the table in front of you in those three difficulty layers, so you've got a bit of forward planning and you can see, you know, I want to go for that, that five-point mine up the top, but to do that, I'm going to have to get myself a whole lot of rubies. Yeah. So you need to plan ahead and, and get uh, easy-to-gain ruby cards early on, which will assist you in getting those cards. That's it. Yeah. Apart from that, you just got a very nice box. <laughs> but the, and, and the way it sets out, it does, it does grade up uh, according to two players or three players, so you can remove tokens, the usual sort of stuff. So it, it, um, you know, there's enough, there's enough yeah. uh, tokens to keep you in the game. But yeah, it not scales too, well, backward, yeah. you know, up or down. Yeah. yeah, but there's there's not too many, so that yeah, you can always get because uh, there's there's a time when you can't get those chips, and you really need to grab them, and and you're waiting for someone to buy a card and throw them back into the system. Well, it brings me to the the your turn. So you, there are three options: you can collect the chips, you can buy and build a card, or you can reserve a card. Yeah. So they're the three major actions of the game. That's how you you know you acquire your victory points. The reserving of the card, Matt. That's probably the one thing that probably just doesn't jump out initially as the easiest thing. It's an easy step, but it's a little bit different to the rest of it. How does that work? Yeah. So that what that does is, if you find a card that you're working towards, you can take that aside. Uh, well, actually, there's two ways of playing that. You can take from the um, from the grid in front of you, so everyone sees what you're taking, what you're going to reserve, and you put it face up, and you take one of the gold chips, which is a wild token, and you you know slap it down on there, and you can pay for that whenever you like. You don't even have to pay for it; it can just sit there, um, and to a maximum. I think it's three to a maximum. Yeah, three. that's right. And the other option is you can draw directly off the face-down decks, so you don't know what you're getting, But you, so it's a bit of a gamble. But whatever it is, you can get it, you can put it face-down, you can look at it, but nobody else sees it. And then, again, you can choose to advance that if you want or just leave it there. And in some respects, you're denying someone a card that might get them extra victory points, or in other respects, you're just getting rid of a useless card, getting rid of the chaff to get to something a little bit better. It was very under utilized when we played i have to say i I started to use it a little bit after i'd played the game a few times but uh you know in terms of different strategies uh that you can use to get in i know you xanthi you were you're very keen on getting those um level one cards i I personally would love to just buy out all the mines i have no other intention of winning the game so it's very frustrating when people actually play properly no, but, yeah. but, but 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 that can be something you can bulk up on those level yeah. one cards well, and not progress too far, and that in the end works. Like, you, you you bulk up at the start; and it's a bit slow, but then at the end you wipe the floor. Yeah, as long as those other people are slow, because you just have all the cards to buy. You don't need any gems anymore. Yeah, you don't need like, the you don't need to pick up the yeah. chips. I found myself being able to buy one nearly every turn, and the nobles, well, they just love that. Yeah, yeah, that's so. It. Splendor's been played a lot in a house store, a lot like. 
all the staff, a lot of the regular Magic players are doing it because it's got the same five colours as Magic. Um, <laughs> they get right into it. <laughs> yeah. And, and in our store, in our store, we, it's come to the point now where we have the verb to splend, which is when you get something for free. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that's good. So you get anything, anything for free. It's to splend. Yep, you have splendid. Wow, that's gone. <laughs> that's gone nationwide now, Jamie. You know, everyone can use that. <laughs> They're welcome to it. Yeah, but 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 <laughs> ding, Hurstville, good Look, games. With the reserving cards, I actually think it is. It's one of the more important mechanics in the game because yeah. it gives you those wild tokens as well, uh, the gold ones, which which can be used as a wild card of any color of chip. And there's often times when you want to go deep into a color to get a mine, and the other players are also going after that color because they're trying to get mines, and it's really difficult just to get the thing you need. Yeah, so yeah. those wild chips come in really handy. Yeah, I said I said while we were playing, I said uh, I came up with a convoluted metaphor. I said you got to after you've played a, a game or two, you got to play it like you're dribbling a basketball, and you got to keep your head up. And you've got to look around the table and see what everyone else is doing. Yeah? You with me, Jamie? That's the real game, yeah. Yeah, you following that analogy? It's pretty good, huh? But, yeah, it's, yeah you can use the wild card uh, or the wild chip effect there as well. If you see someone angling for a particular card, you ju- is, is that like a strategy people use where you just jump in and you, and you, and you grab it before they can get it? Absolutely. The better, the better Splendor players that I've seen... Yeah. Keep an eye on what everyone else is doing all the time because, yeah, you can you can try and pick what they want to go for and pick it up first. You can try to make sure that the piles of chips that they need are low on a constant basis because yeah. one of the things that you can do in the game is if there's ever four chips in a stack, instead of taking one each of three different colors, you can go too deep on the one stack. Yeah. So, That's so if you know someone's after red... Taking that's away what, half the red that's here in the game is, is pretty harsh. Yeah, I was well, as well as playing. You know, uh, I was sort of backward engineering the just the again just the maths of trying to figure out you know that that game design element where you go okay we can have them take two chips here but then only one from then on or we'll have yeah. so many cards that, and and the costs of them they're all different uh, you know like I was when we were playing Matt and Xanthi, um yeah. there was you know it was like okay for that one ruby mine. Um, I can pay a total of the t- a total combined cost of three gems, but this other one over here costs four or five, and it's not any better. It's still just like a card, and so some. Oh, com- it often is because it comes with a victory point as well. Oh yeah, that that be- that's when it's obvious. But some of them are just different prices, <laughs> and all you're getting is a, a, just a, a ruby card or a diamond card, and uh, yeah, and, and you don't have to pay as much. Yeah, and as I noticed, the pictures aren't even different. But- I, I got really <laughs> disappointed when I realised that. <laughs> So you wanted to see a little bit more yeah. variety in the artwork. I thought there I, must I have know. been like a flower or something, you know, just something. <laughs> it, is pretty, some... it is good art, though, you know. it's um, Yeah, I, I did look up the guy who did oh, artwork, Pascal Quidalt. You, you know, you love my pronunciations of European anything. Yeah, I a, do. Yeah, I butchered that Ned, yeah. Netherlands-y thing <laughs> earlier on. Sorry. Sorry, everyone who's from Dutch land. Holland, <laughs> or any any other country Holland. in Europe where they speak something yeah. else. I apologise to all our okay. European friends. Not sorry. <laughs> I apologise to you all, and I apologise for whatever Jamie said then as well. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, all right. So, uh, what what are the have we got any other pro tips like going going into this? I mean, Jamie, you've probably seen uh, people go deep on this game, right? We've we've played it for a month have, solid, so but I have one buddy who has a theory. Yeah, he reckons he's broken splint. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's, bro- he's broken it. He reckons he has. Yeah. Um, His theory is that you go for the absolute highest point value, highest value card, and you reserve that first turn and then build it and do everything else around that, and you'll always win. And he does win a fair bit, I've got to say, but I've beaten him. So That seems be that like perfect. a very sweeping statement because it doesn't it does, take into consideration yeah. any other cards that are out there. That's right. So, if you t- I mean, if you're just looking at the board at the start of the game and going, that's worth more points than anything else, look, you are working towards the victory condition, but you're also setting yourself a pretty lofty goal. Yeah, because often you find the street, the, you know, as in mining, there's, there's, um, there's streams or threads of, um, of emeralds, say, for, for quite a while, and you don't see a diamond at all. And if, and if the, the cost on that card that you picked early on is diamonds, and they don't come out until you're two-thirds of the way through that, that first-level pack, you, you're screwed, right? That's right. And well, look, I've, I've just pulled out a random one uh, from the back of the deck to have a look at. I've got a five victory point card here. Yeah. But to get it out in play, you've got to pay three emeralds and seven sapphires. Yeah, Given that there's so... only six sapphire chips in the game, you're, you're pretty hard pressed. Yeah. So you have to bulk up on on the sapphire cards then, and if they don't come out, it's not going to happen for you. That's right. I don't know if we clarified that. that yes, when you once you own a mine, it actually discounts purchasing further mines. Yeah. Yeah, they're permanents. The cards become uh, permanent currency to to for further purchases. The other thing about the chips is that you can actually only hold on to 10 of them. So once you reach a, the ultimate hand size of 10 chips, you have to trade out down back down to 10. So you you know you can't hold any more than that, which is I think that's a very clever mechanic for getting them to cycle back in. I mean the whole game's set up towards getting the chips, acquiring them and then recycling them back into the stacks as you purchase yeah. cards. And that mechanic but, that mechanic rewards people that are planning ahead as well because uh, you know, because she's not here. My wife, who played, didn't plan ahead. She was just grabbing chips willy-nilly and then had to, yeah, just put chips back into circulation. And that really came across like that's that's a non-go, you know. It was almost like a non-go what you've done there. You've, you've taken more chips to try and get closer to the card that you now have your eye on, but you've had to hand a whole bunch of chips back and do nothing. And, um, yeah, and I think that mechanic kind of rewards rewards people who never have to do that. It's it could be a little bit thing. of a subterfuge, though. I think if you're constantly sitting around about the 10 chips, you're then trading out the things you don't really want to get the ones you do as soon as they come back into circulation. So I think there could be a little bit of subterfuge element there in that people aren't quite sure what you're aiming for until you've suddenly got that massive stack of, of all the one colour. Then it sort of becomes a little bit more obvious. But, um, yeah, I, I think I found a lot of the times I was teetering around that 10 chips and, uh, you know, I'm not entirely convinced because I don't know what was in your heads, but I think perhaps you weren't knowing which direction I was going, I think. At least that's what I felt. Yeah. Oh, we, were probably, we were probably too juvenile too juvenile players to really think that hard about it, I'd say. I just thought you liked the chips. <laughs> no matter what card, very pretty. chips. Matt loves chips. They are good. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really interesting game in terms of tempo because there are. There are times when you sit there just hoarding chips because you don't want to take anything. You want to wait and see if something more useful will flip out. Yeah. Hey, well, look, we had, we had got planned to talk about other expansions, but how about, it seems like it's appropriate right now, we, we just talk about tournament play a little bit, Jamie, because it seems like we're teetering on that thing of, you know, how do we go deep with Splendor? You know, how, how can you go that one step further? And well, I know over at your store that you're, um, uh, you run tournaments for, uh, for Splendor, right? 
Yeah, so like like I said, it's been massively popular for us. Like it's it's become one of those go-to games when people come in and say, you know, look, I've played Settlers of Catan. I want to go a bit deeper. Yeah. Where do I go next? Um, it's it's got a you know a spot on the shelf next to Settlers and Carcassonne and King of Tokyo and those sorts of games because it is it is so elegant and so simple to get into. That said, one of the really nice things about it is that Asmodee, the company that makes it, has started supporting it with tournament play. So basically what you do is divide your players up into groups of usually four or five, sit them around a Splendor board, well, a Splendor set, yeah. and, um, and they play. And you play a couple of rounds, you score them, so whoever wins uh, gets three tournament points, person who comes second gets two, the person who comes third, third gets one, and so on and so forth. Um, and, and, uh, and at the end of a few rounds, whoever's got the highest score gets the first prize. What's really impressive is the prizes. So they've provided a, a playmat that you can play on, which is roughly, if you've seen playmats in a store before, they're usually sort of enough space for one person to play on. Yeah. These ones are about double that size. So you can, um, put, you can set out the whole, the whole Splendor game upon this, this playmat, obviously. Exactly. So it's, it's a really beautiful piece wow. of... It's one of, the, one of the pieces of card art uh, in the background, but it's got specific spots for all the pieces in the game to be laid out on it. Nice. Um, you uh, you also get sets of translucent chips. So rather than just the, the hard uh, opaque ones that come in the game, yeah. you get these really nice, shiny, bright, translucent versions of them all. Um, and there's also uh, some promotional nobles, extra ones that aren't in the base game, which every player is going to get because there's about 80 copies of them in every kit. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, that sort of leads into expansions a little bit because the um, you can get the Nobles promo, promo tiles from uh, Board Game Geek Store and there's also a special Noble patron which is another um, another thing that you can purchase to add into the game. However, there aren't any expansions per se. So the only other one I'll, I'll talk about in a minute, but Jamie, continue. Look, to, to be really, really honest, it doesn't feel like a game that needs a lot of expansion. It's one of those ones that you, you sort of look at it and go that it's it's a complete product. It's simple and beautiful, and yeah. you sit down and play it. And even if you have played it a hundred times, and like my buddy, you think you know the strategy, you know, you're still going to get surprises. You know, the hundred and first time that you play it. Yeah, yeah. it mixes up really well, doesn't it? It does. I think actually, it's just adding, so beautiful. sorry, adding an expansion to this game would probably actually wreck it. You know, like um, sorry. Uh, because like, as it is now, it's just it's so perfectly thin. I don't know how to describe it. It's just perfect. Yeah. But if you added more, get over the complicated, and you wouldn't want to play anymore, or you get tired of it, just want to go it would back af- to that. It would affect basic the tempo. Again. Yeah, it would. Yeah, definitely. The only thing I could really ask for is if there was an assassin I could hire to go after the rival gem dealers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As it make turn it into a trader game. <laughs> Stop blowing up other people's minds and uh... every or, or a couple of zombies. I think that's all we need, right? <laughs> that's clearly zombies Trademark and pirates. It's funny because yep. it it plays just like The Walking Dead. Really fast <laughs> at some points, really slow at others. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only expansion, which uh, which is, I think is well, not expansion, but the only other aspect of Splendor is the uh, iOS version. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. It's made an appearance yeah. there. I've played it 
uh, a lot, and I really, really like it. It's got everything from the the uh, physical game included. Uh, it does all the management for you, you know, the, the chips and all that sort of thing, the card flipping, all that sort of stuff, which is great. Um, it's a perfect uh, pass and play sort of game um, for you know small groups sitting on a train or something like that. Uh, and it adds the thing that it expands is the concept of duels and challenges, which are a whole nother section to the game where it's you playing against the AI and the AI is scaled to be like a beginner, uh, medium player, expert or uh, are totally random. You don't know how the AI is going to respond to your moves, but um, and there are several, there are, it works like a mission system where you play uh, throughout the world. There are objectives, and to uh, complete that mission, you need to go through several uh, quests. And once you've completed those, you achieve that objective. And those are you know they're pretty meaningless things, but they give you uh, like. Um, uh, you know, whenever you accumulate, uh, not XP or anything like that, but, um, you know, if you play those online games oh, they where... Points that carry over from game to game or something like that, is that what no, you're No, no, more like, um, uh, it's hard, to, it's really is hard it like to describe, that, um, You know, the Pandemic Legacy and the Risk Legacy or whatever those games are? Where no, it no, builds no, it doesn't on carry on. Or? It just it, what it does. It produces a, a different way to play. So each game is slightly different. Maybe you've got to earn more or less victory points. Maybe you've got a strict turn counter. Maybe the uh, there's less cards to choose from. Maybe there's only certain types of cards, and they're kind right, of themed towards uh, you yeah, know, Renaissance era events as well. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually heard a lot of good things about this app. Apparently, I think it was runner-up uh, app of the year on Board Game Geek. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, um, really highly recommended. It is. Look, I, I love, it's very simplistic, easy to get into, and it has that online play uh, aspect as well. So you can uh, jump on and play someone else wherever the hell they are, and uh, you know, and, and it has a bit of a search thing. So it doesn't. It, you can choose the type of match you want to play. Uh, so for the more experienced players, you can look for a more experienced uh, opponent or you can look for a basic level opponent. Yeah, so I, I really like it. And, and at the moment, it's permanently on my um, on my iPad, whereas my, a lot of the other board games I've, I've downloaded, uh, they tend to be deleted not long after yeah, I've played them a few times. But Splendor is one of those ones that I've left on there ever since I bought it because I really do like fine it. Fine-tune yourself for tournament play. No, my, yeah, you, exactly. Yeah. Have you ever found any issues with it? Like, it's great. I love the, I love the app. Um, I actually went to play it after Matt suggested it to me. Yeah. Playing it along, I actually broke it. <laughs> Apparently you can cheat the computer. I decided just to collect all the chips, do not, nothing else, just collect the chips, and it had a spaz and would not open again. <laughs> I had to actually uninstall <laughs> it and reinstall it. Wow. You had anything no, like that? No, I haven't had anything like that. It's worked straight up for me. That's just your natural charms, Anthony. No one ever really wants to play with you a second time. Perhaps. Let's just say perhaps. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. All right, so so in summary, everyone, uh, you know, what's putting the game in context? When are you going to grab this game out and and play it and engage with it? It's very definitely a gateway, very definitely a gateway game. Yeah, 
It's nice in that Sellers of Catan bracket still, do you think? Like Jamie was touching on that, you know, it's like a step further on beyond that or what? No, I would say it's the other side. I would say it, it's on the easier side of Catan. Oh, um, disagreement here. I, I would probably oh, do no, it before no, Catan. I, look, I'd actually tend to agree. I think it's in the same space as Catan, but yeah. it's probably an easier game, yeah. <laughs> well, look, I, I, I was playing it, um, you know, like oh, Travis played it, he's 10, uh, and he, he got the hang of it, not a problem. Uh, I think he was playing it better than my wife. My, she's copping it really bad tonight, isn't she? But, uh, yeah. My son Avery's eight, and he's played it as well. So, yep, it, look, it, it definitely, it's an adults and kids. It's a gateway. It's yeah. a, a really, it, it, look, elegant is really the best word for it. It's so simple and so straightforward, and yet it does have depth to it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, like I said, it's emphasised when you, when you pull out the instructions and have a look at them, and there's nothing to them. It's, you know, when you see a game like that, you just think, oh, this is great. We'll, we'll be playing this in no time. But, yeah, like you're saying, Jamie, the, the quality to this is that it goes deep beyond there. Well, I can't get my wife to play, you know, really any other sort of games other than, you know, she likes Dixit and um, you know, really that, that vein of game. But this is something that I think I could introduce to her as, you know, there's a strategy element, but there's no in-depth... Uh, rule analysis, so you don't, you know, there's no, there's no over, yeah. um, over the complication of the game. There's no rules that pop in after you've done something that you have to refer to a book for, you know. And, and it's it's very theme. The theme's there definitely, but it's very theme light. Yeah. So what, what you do is easily passed, uh, isn't it? It's like what you what you do and what everyone else does. It, it does its bit and then it moves on and it all just gains momentum or doesn't really. Yeah. Actually, yep. on that topic, with the rule book being super easy to read, we yep. actually got our copy in Germany or from Germany. So our rule book was completely in German. And, and it still worked yeah, fine? Yeah, like the first time we played it with ease. You know how most games you play it once, you kind of screw up a little bit. This time, this game, it was just, you get right in. And, and how is your dad Hans Zuberbacher these days anyway? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, but so obviously no, nobody speaks German too well in your family. Well, I can speak it, but you know, not enough to translate a whole rule book. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, but... <laughs> it's light on that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I think I don't think it's. Um, well, I don't know. Do I? It's like I was when when it gets to this sort of game. Can you just whip it out at the dinner party? Um, I think at a dinner party would probably be inappropriate because it's a bit more of a slow Sunday morning. I'm kind of zoning out game at least that's when i play it i don't know i don't know i think i, I tend to think you could you know i mean it's, it all depends on who you've got coming around but in the past you know in the last couple of months you know like with games like mysterium people come around oh. and played that uh you know pandemic you can get people into if you can get to play people to play through pandemic there's a lot more a lot more involved in that really about decisions about what you're going to do i think uh, yeah. yeah it makes a nice yeah, it's, it's a nice competitive game Sorry, I was going to say, unless you're having a dinner party with people who hate fun, I think you're there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> if, sorry, if, if you're having a dinner party with people who hate fun. That's right. I think they would have trouble with Splendor. Yeah? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I know. Maybe, I'll, maybe I'll just have to try it and inflict it upon some people and see how it goes. It's got a very competitive element to it, so it really yeah. lends itself well. That's why I think it... it, it applies well to tournament play um in that it has this competitiveness that you can choose to play with or without you know it's, it's the way you approach your gaming i guess but um so I, I would be very interested in seeing in playing tournament 
um, splendor at, at um, you know Cannington just to see how it works. I think yeah. I think there would be uh, it would appeal. So that could spoil know. it, couldn't it? The competitiveness at a dinner party, you know, people would just in the end you could see people saying, "Oh, you 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 only you won because you've played it before and you know all the ins and outs of it." I can't think my way through it, and I, and I can I can kind of get that. Don't run a yeah. tournament at your dinner party. That's a bad mix. <laughs> that's a, excellent. That's pro tip number three. I think we might be up to Jamie. Yeah, you bang on. Don't run a tournament, even if you're going to win some sweet gems. Yeah. All right. Um, Has I've anyone got else tip. got anything to add? I got a pro tip. Yeah. Now this is the is an awesome uh, what we term beach house game. So yeah, the box is so bloody big with nothing else to go in it. Other than the, the guys, if you take all those components and you stack them up, it takes up a small corner of this massive box. You could fit so two love letter to, in there as well. Yeah, exactly right. So what you could do is just take all the contents out, put them in a nice uh, velvet bag, yeah. and there you go. You've got a portable game that you can take anywhere that you can just throw in a side pocket. That's, That's my pro tip. Matt's always after using his velvet bag for whatever he can. <laughs> He's crazy about that thing. Mm. <laughs> I, yeah, Xanthi, have another pro tip. Xanthi pro tip. Dear God. <laughs> Dear God, do not put it on its side if you do keep it in a box. So many a time have we put it in a cupboard, pulled it out, and all our chips have fallen all over the place. Packs it's, up really nicely, does not stay that way. It's got to stay flat with the face yep. up. All right. Ziploc baggies are your friend. Sorry? Ziploc baggies are your friend. But then you don't get to display the chips in their beautiful state for about five minutes. Yeah, because all, all, the, all the chips fit into the little slots perfectly, and there's a shallower one for the gold chips. Oh, it is a nice insert. That's true. Yeah, yeah. My but, pro tip is not yep. actually a pro tip game. It's, uh, it's the fact that they're also running tournaments for Seven Wonders and Cash and Guns, which are made by the same people. Yeah. And um, they're equally amazing if you get the chance to go along. All right, keep an eye out for that lot then, hey? Competition cash and guns. Now, that would be something interesting to see. I've never played it, but from what I've seen of the game, <laughs> it's not. it doesn't exactly stand out as something you could take and say, oh, I'm going to play a cash and guns tournament. But um, it's obviously... It's pretty cool. You want little foam Uzis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is well... it BYO gun? <laughs> well, speaking of BYO guns, it's probably time to... Uh, uh, risk uh, edging our way into one of Matt's quizzes. <laughs> and yeah. since none of us seem to be armed, let's do it, hey? Are we ready for the most splendid Splendor quiz? Ready for Splendid quiz, sure Matt. Yeah. yeah. It's a quiz, so, a quiz so loosely based on the board game Splendor that it practically chokes on its own luster. <laughs> gotcha. That's good. See what I did there? Luster? Yeah. Was... yeah, yeah. Anyway, question one. So uh, just for, uh, for Xanthi and for Jamie, uh, we have five questions. The first four questions are one point, and the last question is worth three points because it has three sections for a total of seven questions. Because the podcast called Seven Land Hand, uh, yeah. Jamie, Xanthi, that's oh. what we're aiming for. It's my thing. He explains hey, this like on. it's the same every time, but it's not. <laughs> if there's four thing. of us and each of us has two hands, aren't we in trouble? Isn't someone going to get Star Wars here? <laughs> I missed that. that. Just missed on me. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners it. got it. Well, <laughs> four of us, two hands each, is eight hands. Oh, right, oh, I see. 
Don't worry. I've got Someone's to lose one, and I bags not. Xanthi and I are in my shed. I have a <laughs> circular saw and a regular handsaw. I'm sure we'll sort it out later on. We'll, be, we'll play a game of Splendor for it. Yeah, we'll play some. We'll play Splendor for it. That's what we'll do. Speaking of Splendor, question one. Question one. Right. Diamonds extracted from the ground in countries rife with civil unrest, war, famine, genocide, and corruption are commonly referred to as what? Oh. Right. Diamonds extracted from the ground in countries rife with civil unrest, war, famine, genocide, and corruption are commonly referred to as Leonardo what? DiCaprio. <laughs> 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 Thanks, David. I don't know the answer, though. I think I probably told everybody the answer, but I don't know the answer. Yeah. All right. Do you need any more time? No, no. Question two. Name that Bond movie. Diamonds. Ah, oh, yeah. All right. Name that Bond movie. Diamonds something. All right. How you going, Jamie? All right. He's, he's, a, he's, he's born in 1979. He'll be fine with that. Yeah, but how's he going? Are you getting the questions okay? Oh, yeah, no drama. Excellent. Question three. Xanthi, you're quiet. I am very sorry. Right? I am thinking very hard <laughs> about this very serious question right now. Yeah, man. You're back at TAFE today for the first time, you know. This is what, it, this, this is what, this is what it'll be like at the end of the semester. Yeah. Sick. James pop Bond quiz. Question. Speaking of pop quizzes, question three. Name the two movies released in 1984 and 1985, respectively, that follow the adventures of a fictional romance novelist and an adventuring hero type starring Kathleen Turner, yes. Michael Douglas and Danny DeVito. <laughs> Man, you're so in my wheelhouse tonight. Oh, this is... Maybe, maybe I'm being kind. And to on the you. other yeah. hand, I have no clue. Yeah, you know, my as my memory deteriorates, I've, I think I've still got the late '80s and the early '90s, and then then it's a blank. Uh, on and um, yeah, if we're doing this podcast in about five years' time, you'll just have to ask me '70s questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So name the two movies. That uh, follow the adventures of a fictional romance novelist, fictional romance novelist, either, and an adventuring hero type. And the actors were Kathleen Turner, Michael Douglas, and Danny DeVito. Question four. Lant, this, Jamie, you're going to love this one. Lantern Corp members wear really pretty power rings. Name three colours of these rings. There are nine of them. Let's see if between the three of you, you can get all nine. All right. But I only want you to name three each. Out of most of the words that you used there, I didn't understand any of them. What was the first? Lantern? Corp. The Lantern Corp. Yeah. You know, Green Lantern. The green... Oh, just give one away, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> all right, I've got one. <laughs> the Green Lantern Corp. Yep. Oh, right. I the don't members know. Of, the, of the Lantern Corps. Yeah. They wear power rings. So what are the nine colours of these rings? And how, how many do I you want? I want you to each want... name three. All right. See can if we can get points? all nine. This, this way, I was going to say this way, Jamie, it sort of hems you in a little bit and see if you maybe, I think, because I think you'll know. 
you know, maybe I, you can I, I already have them all written down. This is just name every precious jewel I know. This is what this <laughs> question, how this question should have been worded. Wait, are we yeah, but I'm searching for colours. I don't. The colours. Yeah, colours. Not the jewel. Not the jewel, colours. All right, this is name every... I'll, I'll give you a hint, David. Yeah. Green Lantern's girlfriend is called Star Sapphire. <laughs> no, I'm, I don't follow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, do you need a bit of time or are you okay? I'm just writing down colours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if between the three of you you can get all nine. And last question, question five. Yeah. This is made up into... This is in three parts. So, A... What is the first name of the Canadian actress who plays Kaylee in the much-acclaimed, if not short-lived, sci-fi space western Firefly? Oh, no. So what's the name of the actress who plays Kaylee in Firefly? Oh, this is a... All right, that was A. That's a convention question right there. Everybody (laughs) knows that one, except for me. How are you feeling about that one, Xanthi? You must be a bad nerd. Oh, Yeah. (laughs) I know. That's that's like a nerd entry level question, isn't it? Name you've got to know everything about Firefly. <laughs> Trust me, it's not that hard. Name the little the next uh, B is yep. name uh, everyone's favorite little folk singing sweetheart from Alaska. Oh. <laughs> everyone's little folk singing sweetheart from Alaska. Foolish games. <laughs> this month at good games. Foolish games. That's it. And C, last part. What is the name of the cave in Augusta renowned for its natural crystal formations and colourful geology? <laughs> Every country has this sort of cave. <laughs> Every region has this sort of cave. What, what brought you to say Augusta? Because that's where, the, that's where this, this particular cave is. And it has a, a name. It has a special name. Right. All right. Okay, I think I'm, I know what's going on here. I've done. A, I think I've done a bit of a, an Aaron Graham. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. So are we ready for some answers? Damn Four right we bones. are. Okay. Question one. Diamonds Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> In countries rife with civil unrest, war, famine, genocide, corruption, are commonly referred to as Xanthi. Those bloody diamonds. Oh, blood diamonds. Oh, let's see. If that's what you wrote, there might be someone with a better answer. Jamie. Oh, I have blood diamonds as well. Okay. David? Yeah, it would be blood diamonds, but no, I wrote black diamonds, so I'm, I got it wrong. Oh, dear. It's blood diamonds. Yeah. yeah. All right. Question two. Name that Bond movie. Diamonds. Jamie? Ah, forever. Forever, David? forever. Yeah. Xanthi? Well, considering Bond just likes any sex pun, I went, diamonds are sexy. <laughs> I figured it'd be a good shot. Fair enough, but you'd be wrong. No. <laughs> one of my favourite favorite Bond lines is uh, with the belly, with, there's a belly dancer and she had a jewel in her belly button and um, she looked down and it had fallen out and she goes, oh, I've lost my charm. And he says, not from where I'm standing, you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Was that a Connery? I think it was. It yeah. has to be a Connery. Yeah. Question three. Name two movies released in 84, 85 that follow the adventures of a fictional romance novelist and an adventuring hero type. Kathleen Turner, Michael Douglas, Danny DeVito starred in... David. Well, when the going gets tough, they go Romancing the Stone and, and Dead <laughs> Jewel of the Nile. Jamie? 
That's what I had as well. Romancing the Stone, Jules Nile. Santa. But I was tempted to say Ghostbusters 1 and 2. Yeah. I was, I was thinking Ghostbusters, but I was writing Romancing the Stone. And I've already done a question based around Ghostbusters. And Santa, what did well, you say? I was born in the 90s, so obviously the answer was Jewel and Jem. No. <laughs> yeah, you're wrong. All right. Question four. Did you get half points? Jem is a cartoon from the, night, from the 80s. Yeah. yeah. Do we get do we get two points for that or one point? Was Jill born in the eighties? You get one point because you had to get both. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, question four: The Land and Corps members wear really pretty power rings. What are the nine colours of these rings? So you've got three colours each. Uh, we'll start with Xanthi. What um, colours? Red. Yeah. Uh, pink. No. <laughs> no, no superhero is pink ring. <laughs> yes, that's yes, like being Mister Shit, isn't it? In um, so... <laughs> Mister Brown in Reservoir Dogs. So we've got red, yellow. Jamie, how'd you go? Actually, no, Jamie, I'll leave you for last. David, what have you got? Leave, right. leave me to last. All right, I've got green, uh, blue, and yeah. red and yellow. And then I didn't know any more colours after that. Well, you only had to pick three, so <laughs> you've got. So between you and Xanthi, you've stuffed up this question. What? <laughs> What, is, what, is you, what did you need from me? Just three colours. Oh, I, I said, I've said green and blue. Yeah, green, said, red, yellow and blue. All right, and Xanthi already had two of those, did she? Yeah. yeah. All, right. Uh, all can, right. So how many more guesses have I got? No more, that's it. So oh. now I'm going to pass to Jamie. And Jamie, right, can you fill in the blanks there? Yeah, let me stuff it up further and give you all nine. It's violet, <laughs> green, red, blue, indigo, orange, yellow, black and white. He's correct. Uh, well done, Jamie. <laughs> If we had, you if we could it. do sound drops, would this would be where we'd be playing a round of applause? I that know was my like the great question. You, you're a Green Lantern guy, are you? I'm, I'm an everything that wears spandex guy. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought I was a I'm DC. I'm so excited about Deadpool. I can't tell you. Yeah, yeah, right. I always thought I was a DC guy, but that was just because I realized because because of Batman. But then I realized I wasn't interested in anything else that seemed to come out of DC. And since Marvel have taken over cinema, I've realised I think I'm more of a Marvel guy. And I Green love it, DC. Go, go watch The Flash. It's amazing. Is it? It's the, the best TV thing. show in the world except maybe Doctor Who. I hear such <laughs> mixed reviews. I, but I get it all mixed up with Arrow. And Is it Arrow? Yeah, yeah Arrow. They Arrow's not as good, sometimes. but Arrow's okay. But Flash is really great. Okay. All right. Add to the to-do list. Done. Back to you, Matt. Run a quiz for growing up. Question five. <laughs> so, question five, part A. What's the first name of the Canadian actress who plays Kaylee in, in Firefly? It is Jamie. Uh, Jewel. David. Jewel. Santhi. Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Just God. Just wait to hear my next question. Fifth Element reference. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness. It was Jewel. Yeah. All right. Santhi name was only born two minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay, B, name that little f- favourite folk singer from Alaska. It is David. Jewel. Santhi. Jewel. Jamie. Jewel. Jewel. It was Jewel. Yeah. And she sings Foolish Games. Foolish she Games. <laughs> this month, like Good Games, Foolish Games. <laughs> and Patsy. What's the name of the cave in Augusta, renowned for its natural crystal formations and colourful geology? It is what cave, David? Jewel! Xanthi. <laughs> Jewel Cave. Love that place. It, this isn't actually a trick question. <laughs> well, I'm okay. going to go 
go with Mount Augusta. Just straight out the okay. bat, Mount Augusta. <laughs> Jamie? I'm going with Jewel Cave, but just based on the thing. It is Jewel Caves, and Jamie's, <laughs> yeah. Jamie's in New South Wales. So he's probably never even heard of Augusta. <laughs> Such a bad answer. So, yeah, the answer to all three parts was Jewel. Yeah, you didn't mean and... that. I tried to get that sort of stuff. Last MTG <laughs> podcast, I tried to get Flavor Text. It was all uh, Boris Gilgate or something, but it just didn't work out that way. Uh, I just I lucked out, I think, with this one. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for playing Matt's Quiz. Thank you for hosting. All right, welcome back. What we've got next is a couple of sound bites that Jamie recorded recently down at CanCon. Uh, just uh, a picture of a man wandering around a, a convention with a microphone interviewing people, but some pretty good, uh, got some pretty good stuff uh, from all walks of life. So what exactly is CanCon besides a convention, that is? So CanCon is probably the oldest gaming convention in Australia. Um, it's, it's well known amongst the, you know, the hushed halls of nerdism. It's <laughs> a place where war gamers go and gather on an annual basis and play everything from sort of, you know, traditional Napoleonic miniatures to Blood Bowl to uh, War Machine and, and all that sort of thing. But in recent years, it started to really explode as a tabletop convention. So uh, what you're about to hear is actually me interviewing the people who are running the big games library there. It's, uh, it's about 80-odd tables big. And uh, it was literally just full from the day, the, the moment the con opened till the moment that it shut every day of people trying out new games and having a go at things and pulling out old favourites together. It's got a real community vibe, the con. Uh, people who, are, who know each other either from Board Game Geek or just sort of, you know, they've met once or twice around the tracks playing games. And they come together and, you know, you, you hear people telling stories about their annual time that they see Bob because, you know, that's, that's when they that's get together. They yeah. That sounds really awesome. All right, shall we jump into it then? Uh, we'll hear this, this first little soundbite. Hello, Seven Land Handers. This is Jamie Lawrence coming to you from CanCon. Not quite live, but still very exciting. Over in Canberra. I am standing here with Merrin and Terry. They are running the games library over here, and we're going to get a couple of ideas about uh, CanCon, the vibe for you, and just what's going on in that library. So say hi, guys. Hello. Hi, guys. Okay, cool. So um, let's start with the easy ones. What's been, what games have been really, really popular out of the library at the moment? So Codenames is probably one of the biggest ones. Um, Signore is going out, Shakespeare. So some of the new Essen releases have been big ones. Blood Rage. Yeah, Cacao, um, and even some of the old ones as well, like your Stone Age and uh, Lords of Waterdeep. Essentially what we sort of find every year is that um, the entry level slash low mid-level, uh, like so last year Splendor was a big one that, that went out so many times. So the stuff that can both um, existing gamers who want to check out the new stuff, but also a good way to introduce new people. So Codenames is probably the perfect example of that. Awesome. And what's the vibe been like in the games library? It, it's just amazing. So... The games library has just grown every year. Um, this year we, we put more tables in and we filled up and it's just been amazing. There's lots of families, there's lots of groups of friends come, making new friends. It's, it's Yeah, it's been phenomenal. Yeah, so I always have that nervous little time on Friday night when we're finished, well, well, finished actually setting up and you look across 80 empty tables and go, oh my goodness, are we going to fill it? 
and then 11 o'clock today we're going, we're running out of space. Yeah. It's already bigger than last year, isn't it? Yeah, so last year we probably had 58 odd tables. So this year we're growing by a third. We've probably got 78 or so tables out there. Um, and yeah, we've, we've filled it just as quickly. So I think it's that word of mouth, um, good experience from previous years. And you know, the, it's a good problem to have. But the question for next year is, how do we get bigger? <laughs> Who do we displace? Just out of interest, uh, have you heard much, if, see, seen if there's much follow-on effect from PAX? Because there was huge uh, board game tables there as well. And um, it seems like there's a very similar vibe and crowd here just partying on, playing board games all weekend. So we don't do any formal sort of surveys or that sort of stuff. But PAX is obviously a, a good partner for us. You know, they look after, you know, in the first year we helped them out with some games. And the reason we're able to, to give a broad range of the um, Essen games is that PAX helps us out. You know, Melissa Rogerson, she sends us up 20-odd games that we haven't managed to procure because, you know, you've got a limited budget as for new stuff. Um, so, yeah, that sort of certainly helps. Yeah, it's been amazing. Awesome. What other sorts of partnerships do you guys make in trying to set up a games library, you know, for the... For the public, for people coming into a con? <laughs> Everyone we can. Um, so there's probably some key ones. Um, so local Australian designers um, and Good Games Publishing is part of that, obviously. So Kim Brebatch, uh, the guys from 93 Made Games, Dave from um, Growl Games. So um, trying to foster that local scene's great. So they, they've all donated some games. We try to put them prominently in the library to get some, some better buzz for them. Um, obviously, it's important to have a relationship with the, the local game sellers. Um, so Games Capital is our, our sort of key sponsor, but we get support from the other ones as well. Um, and we look for as much of that as we can, because obviously if we can lower our costs, we can provide more to other people. Um, and then beyond that, oh, I don't know. So, so a big part would be in Canberra, we've got um, some really well-established local gaming groups. So Glog and Clog would be the, the two. So Gungal and Library Open Gaming. Got to love those names. Absolutely. And, and the other one's Kimpat. Kipak, so so they're gaming groups that are growing in the community, and and some of the people that go to those events hadn't heard of CanCon, so we're sort of growing it that way. Um, we're starting to get a bit more regular media presence, so Canberra Times is very aware of this event and and is following it up. We've had more media outlets this week. ABC is is quite keen to follow it up, and I think because. It, it really is fostering that sense of community and, and that community is growing. So, you know, the media are all over that too. So it's, it's just been amazing. That's awesome. All right, guys, so now look, just, just for a minute, hats off, be serious with me. If you could evangelise the entirety of Australia, which conveniently you can right now, what game would you be telling people to play from the library that isn't one of the, the popular ones? Oh, cut to Marin. Let me think about that. Well, tonight we've got a Learn to Play Twilight Struggle event, and, and that would be awesome. I love Twilight Struggle. Um, that's, that's probably a big one for me. I mean, I, I'm, I'm massively into some of the new ones. So Signore, for example, or Shakespeare, I'm really enjoying those games. Shakespeare just looks so awesome, doesn't it? It is, it is very cool. And, and, and my husband doesn't, isn't into Shakespeare as, as, as an idea at all, but really enjoys the game, and so I have a bit of fun with that too. Uh, so, yeah, so it's probably Chelestrations. That would be another good one. All right, you're on. No, I've still got nothing. I, I, like, I like them more, but and I guess my, my, my issue is that leading up to CanCon, we get, um, I think we had 30-odd, 40 Essen, you know, new games, Gen Con Essen sort of releases, and my role is to learn as many of them as I can so I can teach them. So obviously my focus over the last couple of months has been new, 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 
Um, I, could, I could tell you my favourite game is Dungeon Lords, but we don't have that in the library, so <laughs> maybe I should do something about that. Good plan. All right, guys, look, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the con. I know I'm going to, and um, yeah, party on. All right, great chat, Jamie. So, is, so who owns all of those games? Does it belong to Cam, CamCon or CanCom, or is it like um, is the games library sort of independent and does stuff you know during the year? So the Canberra Games Society, I think they're called, um, owns the games library and they meet in libraries around Canberra, uh, uh, I think twice a month it is. Um, They're they're quite big, like it's it's a really really large gaming group to start with. If you've got 80 chairs uh, and you're going to fill them with people. The shelves are just packed there. There's literally everything new that's come out uh, out of Essence Spiel this year. And then there's, you know, sort of a smattering of probably about 150 games that are just, you know, solid classics. Now, I have a theory that, do you think there's so many people because it's Canberra? You know, it's such a small place that you've got nothing better to do than play a bunch of board games. Well, it's interesting, actually. In the next interview, you're going to hear um, Anton, who I talked to, sort of points out that Canberra is a university town in a lot of ways. We, I guess we have the perception that it's where all the politics happens. But yeah. it does have, I think, three universities as well. Um, so there's there's definitely a culture there of board gaming, and it's it's sort of like it's one of the it's like going to the movies there. Is, right. is you, you get together and play board games. So we've got Anton coming up. And where, where's he from, Jamie? Anton works for Games Paradise, who um, some of our listeners have probably heard of, and um, he uh, he's a Big sort of order fulfiller for them. He does a lot of their, their packing work. Yeah. All right, so we're about to hear just a bit of a chat to get a bit of an idea about um, yeah, what he's into at the moment. Here we go. All right, Seven Land Hand people, this is Jamie again coming to you from CanCon. I'm here with Anton, who is uh, what, a really big part of one of the biggest toy, re- toy and game retailers in Australia, Good Games Paradise. And um, we're going to talk to him about what CanCon's been like and, and what the vibe is and how good it's been. So, Anton... What's the vibe been like? What's up, Jamie? A lot of people here. Um, everybody's really excited. I think we've had a good crop of games for the last year. So there's just a lot of it, like a lot of gamers just really checking out a lot of different products. It feels like there's a lot more. Maybe our 10% above last year. What's what's moving a lot? Um, Time Stories is amazing. Um, it's a great box. It moves well. There's already an expansion for it. Uh, we've already sold out of it day one. Mysterium's still going strong. Um, since it came out like what late last year and that's been moving pretty well um those are the two pretty much standout stuff from archon also uh, cult express i think spiel the jar winning games tend to do very well yeah for sure so cancon often there's like a bit of a post con vibe you know after hours people go off they still keep playing games all night what did you get up to on your night off last night uh i don't think i can tell say that in a regular <laughs> podcast but uh, we do have plans to go check out The Guild, which is a new board game restaurant in Canberra, which is definitely the in thing, I think, for like a university town, which Canberra pretty much is. Um, this Not much else here. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But they have like an amazing all-night gaming, um, what's it called, scene in CanCon for the next three days. And I know that uh, most of the hotels end up having gaming nights too. So I'm going to hit those up. Cool. And what's been on your table lately? What have you been playing? I tried Civilization, uh, that's CV-lizations. Um, it's a great uh, secret action type game. Um, played it drunk, but it's still 
a very solid game. Like it's lots of lots of interesting decisions. It's the type of game where if everybody selects the action you want to do, nobody gets anything. So it's quite cutthroat and it's definitely something I'm going to be seeing a lot of next couple of days or hours. <laughs> Sounds awesome. All right, look, thanks for your time and enjoy the rest of the con. Thank you very much, Jamie. All right, that was Anton. Yeah, it was really good listening to him, actually. And uh, one thing I honed in on straight away when he mentioned Time Stories um, as being one of the hotter games that's being played at the moment is actually made by Space Cowboys, who make Splendor. So there's, um, obviously there's some good games coming out of there, and it's good to see that they're popular. Yeah, he also mentioned Mysterium, so, you know, mark of quality there. Yeah. <laughs> and th- and th- that you've been talking about Time Stories quite a bit, Matt, yeah? Just yeah. recently. Um, I've, I've recently just completed the uh, first scenario, the, the base scenario, and so I'm on to the second story now, which is the Marcy case, uh, which I haven't cracked open yet. And uh, once I do, I'm going to... Uh, it's getting to the stage where the, there's a lot of fan-created content now oh, cool. as people are starting to, to create their own scenarios. And hopefully, as people submit those to Space Cowboys or whether they, they just put them up somewhere, it'll yeah. be one of those print-and-play sort of things where you just go print off uh, the game, print off the cards, sleeve them up, and, uh, yeah, play someone else's scenario. So I'm looking forward to that. That's cool, isn't it? Again, using, like, uh, available technology, how we've got all got access to, uh, like, materials like that not so easily you know being able to incorporate that into a game is fantastic yeah it's great awesome model you go now this is the new one in store if I'm right yeah like it's uh, time stories has had a retail release big white box yeah yeah Yeah. we've sold out around the country I'm pretty sure yeah Yeah, it it went really quickly and it wasn't a huge supply um, but the uh, the the second published module, which is Prophecy of the Dragons, uh, Prophecy of the Dragon. I think I that's think, right. Yeah, is uh, is out, has been released, but I don't think it's made its way to Australia yet. All right, cool. So something to look out for on the on the second uh, wave of orders coming in. But hey, li- I think right now listeners really want to hear what the uh, post party uh, frat party <laughs> hangover sounds like. You know, what do what do guys sound like after they've done a conventional weekend? And they're just cooped up, real co- real cosy, personal space has been invaded, and they're all in a car. And I believe that's what we've got next. Is that right, Jamie? It is. So, look, I want to apologize for the sound quality, if not for the interview quality. Uh, but I basically, I went to CanCon not just for my own fun, but because me and these other two guys, Ben and Kim, we are uh, the publishing arm of Good Games. So we were going to talk to a lot of designers, play some of their, their new games, see if there was anything that we liked to look off to publish. So it's not all just uh, fun and games. It's actually a little bit of work for you as well. Well, yeah, it's all games and games, actually. (laughs) It's not all fun and games. It's actually fun and games as well. Oh, that's the same thing. Yeah. What a life. When I grow up, I want to be like Jamie. (laughs) You'll get there. Yeah, I'm working on it. All right. Well, well, let's hear what what these guys sound like. Uh, Maybe cover your ears, Anthony. You might not want to hear this. Stuff about raccoons in beds oh, and stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, Seven Landhanders, this is Jamie coming to you from the car on the way out of CanCon 2016. I personally think the, the big part of the con experience is who your gaming wingmen are. And so I am going to have a bit of a chat here with Kim and Ben, who have been staying with me all weekend and uh, experiencing CanCon for all its joy. Uh, we'll start with uh, a little bit of introduction. So, Kim. 
Where are you from? Uh, Kim from Sydney, and I'm uh, Director of Good Games Publishing, so we're trying to make uh, great Australian games. If that voice is familiar, you've probably heard him on the Victory Points podcast. Ben, where are you from? I'm from Adelaide. I'm a graphic designer. worked in the game industry on and off over the last few years. Awesome. So, these guys are already professional gamers at this stage. But uh, what I want to know, what was the best game we played at CanCon? Abyss. Absolutely, it was Abyss. Yep, Abyss is great. Really enjoyed it. I'd play that four times in a row, I reckon. Yep, Bruno Cathala, another winner. Um, apart from that, what other things did we did we do? Well, we did some great... Um, I'm going to start driving and let Ben hold the mic. <laughs> <laughs> some great game development uh, and design. So we play-tested a bunch of our up-and-coming uh, good games, uh, publishing games. We also ran a designer session, or hosted a designer session on Saturday night. So we had uh, about 20 people participating in a design session where everybody just tries each other's games out. Everybody gets to play, everybody gets to test other games. Everybody learns a lot about the process of game design because I think in Australia there's mostly sort of newer game designers rather than very, very experienced ones. So um, we're really trying to build a culture of uh, collaboration and community around game design. And that's happening in many different cities. So um, for me, most of the weekend was about that, plus a few little meetings and things like that. But it was really all about the game design process and play testing and things like that. It's not just game design. We also had uh, a fair bit of just brainstorming around graphic design, didn't we, Ben? Yeah. Yeah, the usability of games while you're designing them is, is a really important factor. And um, are we allowed to talk about the next big game? I think we are. Yeah, I think we are. So we've just sort of come to an arrangement with a game we're really, really excited about called Unfair. And it's a theme park building game where you sort of play a theme park mogul trying to build the best theme park in town while spiking your opponent's theme parks and knocking out key bits of their rides and stealing their staff members and stuff like that. This is a very wide, approachable um, game that um, has quite a few different themes in it and a lot of different mechanics to explore. It's mostly tableau building, but a little bit of event spikiness and stuff like that as well. People who were at CanCon got to play a lot of it actually because the designer Joel was here as well and he was just sitting in the big games library knocking out game after game after game. That's right. The games that are pretty high uh, advanced state of graphic design and production, so he's got some really good prototypes around. You can check those out on our website, um, goodgamespublishing.com and uh, you'll have a look at what he's doing. Also check out the game directly at unfair-game.com. Have a look at that. The artwork is absolutely gorgeous. I love the art. Okay, now look, we don't want to sound like we're just hammering home the point here. Um, so what's... But it is exciting. <laughs> it is. It's fantastic. Um, but let's, uh, let's think about the rest of CanCon, the, the con experience. Uh, we did a bit of the whole uh, bachelor pad thing, you know. We, we put a raccoon in size bed. What, uh, what, what else... <laughs> What else was good about CanCon apart from just the actual being there and doing the, the gaming? Like, what, what, what else do we enjoy about the weekend, guys? Well, the big part of CanCon for me is it's a, a socialising event as well. I get to see all the gamers that I haven't seen for a year or so and uh, catch up with them and find out what they've been up to. Yeah, Ben and I have a bit of a online... We're, we're part of Board Game Geek, so there's definitely sort of bases put to avatars at these events. Yeah, and I um, what I've noticed is since I, I used to come to CanCon as a kid to play war games, but I've been coming the last three or four years mainly for board games. And just even in that short three or four years, I've really noticed uh, a massive growth in the number of people coming to CanCon to play board games. It's always it's pretty much the biggest war gaming convention in Australia, but the board gaming scene is really obviously booming because we've got 
I think they had 500 um, people through the board games library on Saturday. Over the weekend, I'm not sure. I'm guessing it's over over a thousand. Yeah, over the whole weekend. Yeah, it's been huge. Well, I actually did an interview with uh, with Marin and Terry on Saturday, and yeah. at that stage they were already going. It's been huge. We're exhausted. So I can only imagine what it's been like for them. Super successful weekend, and well done, guys. Yeah, and they nearly double in size every year at the moment. So from from where coming here two years ago, I'd say it's at least double the size as it was two years ago. So. Um, just a huge growth and another thing within that growth is uh, increasing diversity in the types of people playing board games so a lot more couples and families playing than ever before it's not just the hardcore gamers from uh, board game geek it's a very very wide sort of uh, approachable yeah it's certainly not a snobby library if no. they've got an entire shelf of hey play these games with your younger children yeah i refuse to play anything that's not made by Gil rosenberg <laughs> <laughs> Uve! <laughs> Alright guys, thank you very much for listening and um, I'll probably talk to you about it on the real podcast shortly. Needs and twos! Alrighty, um, okay, so needs and twos. Uh, what have we had going on on the uh, Facebook page of late? Oh, oh actually, uh, Jamie, you've got a bit of news, Matt. You've got a bit of news about Fantasy Flight? Yeah, so yeah. the Fantasy Flight uh, store championships and regionals around the country have just been allocated. If you uh, head out to your local Good Games or jump on their Facebook, you'll probably find that they're running all your favourite games like Netrunner, Star Wars X-Wing, uh, Armada, all that kind of stuff. And you can get some really sweet swag going and playing in the, the store championships. So they got some good prize packs coming time, through. And in a couple of months' time, the regionals have just been announced. So every state's got... Uh, regionals where you can play those games and get even bigger swag. Yeah, that's going to be cool. Are you going to get into that? any of that, Matt? Uh, you playing well, X-Wing or something? We'll see how we go. I, I'm wanting to. Now that I've finished with the RPG stuff, um, yeah. I'm looking for my next thing, which I was thinking about diving into X-Wing. So, yeah, we'll see how we go. Right. Time, my, personal time hot tip, my personal hot tip is the Star Wars card game. It's amazing. It literally... It literally if you've ever played Magic and thought, oh, there's a bit too much in this, Star Wars stays simple and beautiful and wonderful from start to finish. Quality stuff. All right, on our Facebook page, uh, Seven Land Hand uh, on the Facebook, uh, Andy's, Andy Hayes has uh, posted some more pictures of uh, some more um, miniatures that he's knocked out. He's, he's gone 40K crazy. Yeah, he's put up some uh, Crimson Fists he's... chapter, Space Marines, yeah. Yeah, he's gone back old school. I did ask him what sort of uh, paint stock he was using, and he just ignored me. So, yeah, <laughs> Andy, how you going? Uh, what else we got? Uh, oh, Matt, bad news, huh? Mantic, uh, what happened? Mantic Games. Now, you know, Mantic Games is one of those, well, from what I understand, they're one of those up-and-coming, been out there for quite some time producing miniatures, skirmish-type games. Uh, so you may recognise uh, Dread Zone? Dreadball? Dreadball. Dreadball, yep. And then there's also the uh, um, the Martians uh, skirmish game based on the... Um, is it attack, uh, aliens, uh, Mars? Mars Attacks? Mars Attacks, that's it. And now they've taken, up, they've taken up another IP, which is uh, The Walking Dead. And yeah. now they're not taking, not the, we're not talking about the AMC series here, but we're talking about the comic series. Yeah, and that's um, when, when you were talking about it, that's when I got interested. I thought, okay, comic book, that, no one's really done that angle yet. This would be cool. Yes, brilliant. It, it's, it's exactly, I love that, uh, that, um, that comic series. And I thought the thought of a skirmish 
game uh, just tickled my fancy. However, until I started getting the the messages and things about the, what it's going to be, it's going to be kickstarted, yeah. and uh, I think it starts on the first of February. But uh, we're looking at 125 bucks US for the starter game, and which uh, I don't know for 20 models plus everything else they're putting in there turns me away at the moment because uh, all the other stuff is going to be purchased as add-ons. Now, I don't know, until the Kickstarter goes live, I don't know whether the, um, there's going to be the, the, you know, the releases, that, the, add-on, the stuff that gets um, pledge rewards or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. So, but, but what I, I saw from Ronnie, who's the, uh, the CEO of Mantic, he sort of indicated that there wasn't going to be any of that. It was just going to be one um, pledge tier, which is to get the starter set, and then, then there's the add-ons for additional characters and things like that. So I'm not hopeful. I think this this um, I, don't, I don't know if yeah, this is going to be well And then you're thinking about the up. Australia tax for having uh, posted it all the way oh, from the. It's going to be huge. Yeah. Um, the other thing that is of interest is their now their miniatures have been a little bit come under a little bit of fire. I think recently. Um, and not being up to quality. Uh, Mars Attacks, I think, was one of those ones where they were a little bit iffy. But these are coming out as 30 mil miniatures, so slightly bigger than yeah. what you see from 40K, and whatnot, which allows them to put a great deal of detail. I think they are trying to really do this, this property justice. Yeah. And from the preliminary photos and things that I've seen, and I posted the link up there to, a, uh, to an interview with Ronnie, and they look really good. So it looks impressive, but... Um, hopefully, you know, they won't sort of price themselves out. But I don't know if it works that way. Well, maybe so, we'll just need to stay tuned to the Kickstarter and see how it yeah. pans out and have a look. Yeah, so that, that, that goes up 1st of February. So yeah. watch out. I'll put a link in there on the Facebook page when that happens. And in Mantic's defence... Yeah, go on, Jamie. While we're talking about Facebook, uh, about Kickstarter, uh, you would have noticed earlier in the, when we were talking about CanCon, we mentioned that uh, we've got our next game uh, yeah. publishing, which is unfair. It's a theme park building game where you uh, you basically get several themes. So you might get vampires, cowboys, and uh, and jungle. You shuffle the decks together, and you flip them out and start buying different rides for your theme park that are themed appropriately, and you score points for putting more upgrades and themes onto each of your rides and that sort of thing. It's a lot of fun. Good little Euro game. So yeah, it's probably... keep an eye for that. We don't have an exact date for Kickstarter, but it's coming soon. Yeah, it's probably something we should probably organise just to get uh, get you guys from uh, Good Games Publishing together and just talk over what's in the um, what's in the library of games that are upcoming on the way, uh, yeah, on the sure. horizon, our all first, that sort of stuff. Our first one, Monstrous, is about to be delivered. So uh, yeah, exciting people time. People that. Get excited. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Um, all right, so in a second or two, we will announce last month's winner of Mysterium. But just to remind you that the Game of the Month special is Splendor this, uh, this month, this month's game review. Uh, Good Games are giving everyone a 10% off Splendor. If you go into your nearest Good Games store anywhere in Australia and give their staff the password... Foolish Games. Go Foolish Zanthi. Games! Yeah, Xanthi was waiting so long to say that. <laughs> David, uh, do they get a bonus if they sing it? I, I'd imagine they would go from 
10% to 10% with a smile. Oh. Yeah. 10% All right. extra smile. I'll give you 11%. All right. And this, if you come, that, well, yeah, there you go. Her school, good games, 11%. Bang. All right. So this lasts only for a month, though. So if they haven't got it on the shelf, you're in trouble. So you've got you to jog out there now. Like, don't but if you sprint. want to win a free copy. Ah, if you want to win a free copy, then uh, you've got to... Um, uh, go to our Facebook page, so facebook.com forward slash sevenlandhand.com and leave a comment on episode 61, which is the post for this episode. And pretty much just make any comment, like Splendor. We could write a few now, right? David, uh, can I stress the point? Yeah. Leaving a comment leave, is yeah. the key to winning. Yeah, leaving a comment. <laughs> write words in there. Lots of people have got the, jo- got the, got the vibe of it now. It's, you know... Lots of people shouting it, capital letters, I want to win this game. That is a valid entry. You know, you can get clever with it. You know, uh, a, a jewel in my games collection would be Splendor. Just, just rubbish like that, you know. I, I want to see everyone's favorite song lyric from a jewel song. That'd be great. Yeah, jewel lyrics. Just go in there. Don't even reference the competition. Just start quoting jewel lyrics. That would be an entry. I'd be behind that. Fortunately, we don't pick the winner, but I'd, I'd be totally behind that. I'd, I'd probably join in and add the next verse. Anyway, uh, where are we up to in all of this? Uh, comment on the post. Uh, now pinned to the top of Seven Line Hand Facebook page. And one commenter will be randomly chosen by Good Games HQ as this month's winner of Space Cowboys Splendor. All right, guys, are we ready? Last month's winner? Oh, well, I'm excited. Yeah. Mm. I, <laughs> right. I, I, I'm not. I don't care. Matt, Matt doesn't care. He right. wasn't me. All right, the winner was Scott Mangini. He, hey, um, I think we might have even mentioned his comment last pod or a pod or two ago and um, offered, him a, offered him the uh, Hype Magic Nerd Badge. So, Scott. Uh, I like this because Scott has been uh, right behind the, um, the Seven Lane Hand RPG initiative from the time it started. Yeah, so, he's yeah, been right involved. So, yeah, good, good for him. He's, he's uh, got his rewards for it. So, Scott, if you're listening to this, get in touch by our um, podcast at sevenlandhand.com. Uh, we'll send you, we'll flick you a bit of a note through, um, through Facebook or something like that and, uh, and give you the details of Good Games HQ because they'll be expecting you. He's an avid X-Wing player. Oh, more on that in a minute. Awesome. Nice work, Scott. Yeah. So, I just... Keep the comments coming into the Facebook posts. Uh, you know, comment on Matt's stuff, give him feedback, talk about Andy's painting, uh, anything on the posts. You know, your adventures in Splendor, your, you know, what you found out about uh, Mysterium and stuff like that. And yeah, it'd be good to get a bit of banter going, a bit backwards and forwards about, um, yeah, what our gaming adventures are about. And we'll send a Hyper Magic Nerd Badge out to you um, if we mention the show. Um, okay, so. Please contact us at any time on the links on sevenlandhand.com, which um, we're all on Instagram and email and stuff like that. So, like I mentioned before, podcast at sevenlandhand.com. Or, uh, well, not all of our names today. Matt's got one, Matt at sevenlandhand.com, and David yep. at sevenlandhand.com. I'm sure it's, it's no problem to sort Jamie out with one. And Xanthi, you know, I, I don't know, I she's in a coma at yet. the moment. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you can, you can find me anytime you like, just hearthbill at goodgames.com. Oh, Sorry. there you go. Oh. Yeah, straight Jamie's hotline. Yeah, that for your daily Jamie needs. That got all the comments it deserved. Yeah, Jamie's hotline. Yeah, it works. It works every time. This is silence. <laughs> all right, next wow. next month we've got a super cool interview with Jay Little booked in. Yay! 
All right, he's the designer of X-Wing, um, and we'll probably talk to him about that, amongst other things. But next month's game is going to be Blood Bowl Team Manager. So um, we'll be playing that like crazy. Over, I think Matt and I have played that before. Yeah, um, I, I, say, I, I like X-Wing a lot. X-Wing's really good. Yeah, but yeah. I'm so, so excited about talking to the guy that made Blood Bowl Team Manager, because that game, wow. <laughs> yeah, which is another reason for listeners to get in touch. You know, what do you want to know from Jay Little about X-Wing or Blood Bowl or any of that, you know, and just what, what his... I mean, if you go to um, Board Game Geek and just read his bio, that in itself is nuts, right? And I'm going to have to get into a bit of that with him. It's just, this guy's just like run the gauntlet of life uh, so far. <laughs> so sounds like a really interesting guy. And since you've made it so far in Neats and Twos, uh, this coming Thursday, I think it's February the 4th, I'm absolutely shitting my pants. I've got, uh, Madison, <laughs> no, I've got Madison Jones coming to the podcast shed, which is where we are right now, next to the Metallica pinball. That's not what I'm worried about. <laughs> That's the, I should be concerned about that. And a normal dad would be concerned about that. But we're <laughs> dialing up Noah Bradley, of all people, you know, A-grade celeb painting magician of magic cards. Uh, Noah Bradley's going to be talking to us. So... There's something to stay uh, tuned to. Uh, that's exciting. I know. I, I just don't know where that's going to go. So yeah, yeah, if um, if you uh, got anything you want to know from Noah, I've got a, a list of ridiculous questions. I hope he's going to, you know, love and not, not think I'm taking a piss. I've, got, I've really been thinking it through. Now, uh, yeah, get in touch. Um, yeah, let us know what you'd like to know from from Noah. And I guess uh, we've also well, recently we uh, announced that we were going to be doing a podcast and um, having an interview with the Rebirth guys, which was a Kickstarter that was knocking around the place. Yeah, that's um, right. But that obviously that fell through. They've had a bit of a shift in in, uh, in what they're doing, and they've got hooked up with a games developer, and they're going on with it. And and um, what they so look for a relaunch at some point. Yeah, there'll be a relaunch, and they said they'd get in touch with us straight away. So yeah, that. That'll be coming later on in the year, hopefully. But it seemed like silly, pretty silly to just publish the uh, the interview as good as it was, um, uh, it without was it really having any kind of context or reference. Uh, so we uh, went with that. Uh, yeah. So hopefully some exciting stuff coming up. Otherwise, if not in a fortnight, I'll just be back with Aaron and the boys, and we'll be talking about magic cards. And that isn't too bad either. <laughs> it's a good life. It's a good life. All right. Good I think, podcast. I think it's a podcast. All right. I think that was that was a podcast. So um, yeah, let's dial out and just outro over the uh, over the happening Seven Land Hand music. I'd like to thank Jan, uh, to thank Good Games for picking us up and uh, really putting uh, adding to what we do here by the promos, by the discount, by the free game every month. Uh, so yeah. Big thumbs up to Good Games. Yeah, because, thanks, uh, Good Games. It's, it's awesome. Good Games Australia, that is. Um, and I'd also like to say thank you to Jamie, who all the way from Hurstville, it's late over there at the moment, but he's uh, taken uh, time out from going to sleep, I'm sure. That's what he would be doing this time of night. Is that right, Jamie? Oh, more or less. It's been super fun, so no worries. And on behalf of the East Coast, thanks for having us. No, you're this welcome. Is, we'll get you oh, back hey, straight away, yeah? Hands across Australia, don't we love that? And we'll, we'll get you back to handle Jay Little with us. That'd be cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'd also like to thank Xanthi for joining our little merry band. Uh, you've cut your teeth now, I think. Could we fairly say? What do you think, David? Yeah, I think so. I think that's done. I think she uh, <laughs> might not be in double figures for words, but she was definitely here the whole time because <laughs> oh, yeah. I kept my eyes on her. She didn't leave the room once. 
we, we, can de- we can debate that on Facebook later. <laughs> and, of course, David, Thanks, thank man. you very much. I mean, it feels like you're probably dealing with a couple of uh, robots in there plus, and only one live human being. But rest assured, <laughs> we are out here and we are supporting the great work you do behind the, the dials and no the worries, man. and the twiddly bits. And uh, Thanks for yeah. coming in, Matt, as well. You know? mm-hmm. Thanks for getting That's there. Right. Yeah. All of, we had a lot of crap to deal with and we got there, That's right? right? Difficult day yeah. all round, but we pulled it together and we've come out with some with it. Well, I think you be the judge, listener. Is this a quality podcast? I, I, think so. I had to call somewhere in South Asia to make this podcast happen tonight <laughs> because of the, the yeah getting modems and... Uh, yeah, for access points and stuff working. So, yeah. currently, I don't know if you're posting a picture on the Facebook, or Instagram, or whatever. Page. Oh, Instagram, that's where we post yeah, pictures. Everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the setup here is insane right now. So we've got we've got cards and a game on the table, and then we've just got cords and iPads. And yeah, I'll put that out all there. All sorts of crap going on. Yeah. Wow, so, uh, guys, that's the way like much more difficult that... for you than it was for me. I had cider. and of course that's the way we roll alrighty see you all later good night bye bye